This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's good to be here this morning. haven't been here in a while, but I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. And I want to speak to you this morning a little bit about the tears of Jesus. As I've grown older, uh, I've also seemed to have grown more emotional. I don't know if that is the strengthening of my compassion or if I've gone through life experiences that I can relate to now. I don't know, but I've started to notice this a little bit more recently And I can give you an example. Allie and I were watching a movie. I can't remember the name of it. But in this movie, there was three little kids and one of them named Byron. And I want to focus on him just a little bit. And in this movie, they've been neglected their whole life. Their mother was on drugs and she passed away and they end up staying with their grandmother. And one day their grandma leaves work and she doesn't come back and suddenly... uh, They found her that she had a brain aneurysm on a bus heading to work, and she died as well. But during that time, the three young ones were doing bad stuff. They were stealing things, just trying to make a living, and they end up getting caught and taken to the nearby church to see if they have any relatives that are still living. And it turns out they have an aunt that lives right by the church, which is a good thing. And so they stay with her, but they end up staying all three on a tiny little couch. And so that's the first part. The second part of the, the movie, there, uh, there comes a man. He's all, he looks homeless. He looks all raggedy, and he's just, he's just looking for work. And he comes to the church, and he just asks the pastor there, hey, can I, I'll, I'll do it for free if you just let me work. And it turns out he does a pretty good job at fixing things. And so uh, the aunt, the pastor, and the homeless-looking guy, they come together, and they form a deal where if he can help the aunt fix her run-down apartment, uh, he can stay there for free. And he, he comes across a room in the apartment that's ha- hazardous, it's unlivable, and he fixes it. He notices uh, the kids are staying on the tiny couch all together, that, and they don't have anything. And he uh, fixes that room up, uh, puts bunk beds in there, and a, another bed for the three of them. And, and Byron, like I said, he com- they come in and He doesn't speak for the entire movie. It's a two-hour movie. He doesn't speak the entire movie until this part. And he crawls on the bed and he says, my bed, my bed, my bed. And I don't know if Allie was cutting onions or what, but I just felt tears coming down my face. And in John 11, 35, it says, Jesus wept. And it's just those two words. And this is the shortest verse in the Bible, and in probably the most potent verse ever written. And there are three occasions in the New Testament where it is stated that Jesus shed tears. And if we go back to the title slide, uh, they're listed there. And all three occasions have their own significance. And what I want to do with this this morning is uh, look at these passages, learn more about Jesus and what his tears mean, and hopefully challenge you to be more like him. The first occasion, we'll see Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. And we'll start in John chapter 11, verse 32 through 
through 44. And it says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And there's that verse again, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how they loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you, have, you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by this, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to loose him, untie him, and let him go. The tears of Jesus on this occasion prove the humanity of Jesus. And moving on to the book of Mark, like, like the other Gospels, it shows us the deity of Jesus and shows us that he was very much a human being like you and I today. And I have a couple of verses I want to run through. Mark 3 and 5, it says, when he looked around at them with anger, so Jesus felt angry at times. Mark 10 and 21 then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, so Jesus felt love. Mark 7 and 34, Jesus looked up to the heaven and he sighed. Mark 6 and 34, it says he was moved with compassion, so he felt compassionate at times. Mark 11 and 12, like I am this morning, Jesus felt hungry. Mark 6 and 31, he said, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. So he grew tired because there's many people coming and going that they didn't have time to eat. In Mark 4 and 38, it says that he was asleep on a pillow, so he slept just like we did. And it's pretty cool to see many similar traits between us and Jesus himself. And not only does the verse where it says uh, Jesus wept show that he was a human being, but it shows that he was a person of tenderness and compassion. John 11 and 5 tells us that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And also verse 36, we read it, the Jews proclaimed, see how they loved him, talking about Lazarus. <clears throat> and this is a good demonstration of God's loving truthfulness. And more importantly, it shows us that he will likewise have sympathy for us. And Hebrews 4 verse 15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It says that he was tempted, but he didn't sin. And Jesus was a poor man and had no place to lay his head, but he trusted God for all of his needs. He was despised and rejected by men, yet he didn't retaliate but rather handed over everything to God. He was falsely accused, yet he didn't open his mouth, for he trusted God to vindicate for him. 
And because of his earthly walk, Jesus is able to sympathize with all our weaknesses, all our disappointments, all our rejections, and all our temptations. And we need to be more and more like Jesus. In 1 Peter 2 and 21, it says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And one way we can follow him is that we need to sympathize with those who are in trouble. In Romans 12 and 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In a similar verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 and 26, that there should be no schism or no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And this, to me, is quite simple. It tells us that we are all part of the body of Christ, and we should all have this attitude and mentality towards one another. If a member is going through things, we need to be there with them and get through it together, and vice versa. If one member is praised, we need to be there and honor them and rejoice with them because we're all one. And God didn't make us different to divide us. He made us different so that we can appreciate one another for our own unique talents that we have. And we need to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But Jesus did more than weep, and we ought to do what we can to be there for others. (coughs) On the second occasion, we see Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. But first, I want to begin with a triumphal entry. Excuse me. On the left picture, we have the map of the route that Jesus took, and this part is located in Luke 19, verse 28. And starting in verse 28, we see Jesus, he comes through Bethany and Bethphage, about right here to the Mount of Olives, and he sends two disciples that are with him to go find a colt that is tied up, and that he wants them to untie it and bring it back to him, and if anyone asks, say that Jesus is in need of it, and so They do that, and that's exactly what happens. Someone asks, why are you doing this? And they say, Jesus is in need of it. And they bring him back, and they take off some of their clothes and put it on the colt and set Jesus on on him. And they continue down the Mount of Olives, and this picture kind of depicts the next part where they put clothes in the road. They're waving their their palm branches in the, the air, and they're cheering and praising, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory, and the highest. And, of course, there's some bad people, the Pharisees in there, that basically tell Jesus to tell his disciples to stop doing this and be quiet. But after Jesus went down the road of the Mount of Olives, he came, he descended into the Kidron Valley right here where he saw the whole city in a panoramic view and as he looked down he burst into tears in Luke 19 and 37 it says there a whole multitude of disciples was there so there's a lot of people that saw him cry and I'm sure they were confused Uh, in the midst of the praise and cheers tears would come from Jesus himself and I have to ask why did why did Jesus cry and let's look at the the next few verses 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had not known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. 
For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you in one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And the text here gives us two reasons why. One, the people missed the peace that was right in front of them. Although the the people thought that Jesus was peace through war, they didn't understand why he came to them. He came to, and I'll tell you why, he came to bring eternal peace. And the Prince of Peace was standing right in front of them, and they missed it. They didn't, they didn't acknowledge Jesus. Instead, they simply viewed him as a human king that would lead them to victory. And verse 42, it said, and that's why he says in verse 42, but now they, the peace is hidden from your eyes. Number The second reason, the people would soon face a future judgment. And Jesus prophesied the city's future doom. And in the next generation, a general would come. And in Luke 19, 43 and 44, again, it says, Your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave you in one stone upon another. And just looked at Jerusalem, and he, he wept over the city because they didn't know that this judgment was coming. He told them it was coming because of the last verse because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want to focus on that last word, visitation, for a few seconds. Visitation in Greek is, I'll probably mispronounce this, but it's episcope. And the prefix epi means over, upon, on, or at. And scope can mean an observer and a watchman. And if you put those two together, you get... uh, someone who oversees things, or it made me think of a supervisor. And the word uh, episcope comes from a Greek military community where from time to time the general would come in unannounced and check to see if his uh, troops were battle ready. And if they were, they got the praise of the general, but if they weren't, they got a hard fist of judgment. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they weren't ready when the, the general came to town and God was standing in flesh before their eyes and they missed it. And the triumphal entry to me foreshadows the final entry when Jesus will return. But when Jesus returns, this entry will be very different. He'll come again and a new Jerusalem will come down on this earth and Jesus will come and bring judgment to the world. But instead of bringing peace, he's going to bring war. And this war will be against the rulers of darkness. And Jesus, the general, come unannounced, and I have to ask you this morning, are you ready for the general to come? Are you missing the peace that is in front of you? On the third occasion, we see Jesus weeping over his own death. And I want to read Hebrews 5 and 7 first. The Bible says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. And without a doubt, this verse is reference to the Garden of Gethsemane. And now I want to have over to Matthew's account to read the events that happened. Uh, we, we'll see Jesus went to Gethsemane to pray. And at this moment, we see the great emotional stress that Jesus was under. In Matthew 26, starting in verse 37, Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. And said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. 
And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And this is a startling picture of Jesus that we see because he's emotionally overwhelmed. He feels a crushing anguish, and he expresses that to his friends, and he expresses that to God. And this is an important lesson for us because many Christians feel like depression and anguish are sinful emotions. But Jesus, however, shows us that uh, good Christians deal with those type of feelings and that they can also bring them to God. Moving on to verse 39. It says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not have Watch with me one hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will, be, your will will be done. And he came to them and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away, and prayed a third time, saying these same things. You know, I feel like Jesus here, he's trying to, to stall a little bit. He's trying to avoid his upcoming death, and he certainly experienced anxiety over it. But he finally came to terms with it, and verses 45 and 46 say, Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And some people have trouble um, understanding this behavior, including myself, when I was looking at this, and in other words, why would he cry at all if he were God? Uh, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and however he wants, and he, he's crying. And we can't forget that Jesus was fully human like we are. And as a man facing the cross would give the hardest mental anguish that any man knew at the time. And his willingness to Redeem fallen man and his unfailing determination to do the will of his father led him to calmly drink the cup of the bitter cross. And also as a divine person, he knew the glory that was beyond the cross. In Hebrews 12 and 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and as he and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ has done everything necessary for us to endure in our faith, and He is our example and our mother, or our model. Excuse me, and it says that He, the joy that was set before Him, His attention wasn't on the agonies of the cross. His attention was, uh, but on the crown of that, and His attention wasn't on the suffering, but the reward that was beyond that suffering. Thus, a weeping Jesus learned obedience by things which he suffered and became the author of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. His tears could not substitute for his own obedience, and even the tears of his own son did not cause God to change his purpose. And the same goes for us. Our tears cannot substitute for our own obedience. In Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter the kingdom of heaven, but he do, who does not enter the will of my Father in heaven. 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And Second Thessalonians 1, verse 7, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Your works on, here on earth will not bring you salvation because we are, we are saved from God. And God's purpose for us before he even created us was to love, to work, to share, to testify, to submit, and to be merciful. And through that salvation, we reflect him. <clears throat> and Jesus' tears show that the pathway of obedience is, is not always easy. And I can agree with this because it's not easy. And the example of Jesus back in Hebrews 12 and 2 should give us strength, and we need to look at Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And to kind of conclude and summarize what we, what we learned, we saw that Jesus weeping over Lazarus was tears of sympathy. We saw Jesus weeping in the Garden of Gethsemane, and those are tears of anguish, and we saw Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, and those are tears of sorrow as he thought of the, their impenitence and God's vengeance upon them. And surely, don't you think that the Lord is weeping today regarding the many condition of people? And even this morning, the door of grace is not entirely closed, but the day is coming when it will be closed forever. And so we need to take advantage of our day of peace, our day when God's visitation is upon us. And remember that Jesus shed tears, and we should let those tears soften our hearts. And I'll leave you with one more verse. Luke 15 and 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So don't wait until that door is fully closed. You can make Jesus rejoice and like Romans says, we will rejoice with you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard, or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.